Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the V Auto Podcast. I'm Lance Helgeson, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Our conversation today is going to focus on reconditioning and specifically how a nine-store group in central Illinois, the Sam Lehman Automotive Group, has been working to make reconditioning less of a perennial pain point like it is for many dealers. I have two guests for today's conversation, Brian Langley, Director of Service Operations for Sam Lehman, and Mike Boyd, founder of V-Auto iRecon. Brian and Mike, thank you both for taking time to be here today and share your perspective. Thanks, Lance. Well, thank you very much, Lance. Always enjoy it. Indeed. Thank you, gentlemen. Now, let's get started. Brian, you're, you're kind of our star here this morning. Um, could you maybe just give us a moment and tell us a little bit about your automotive career and your role and responsibilities there at the Sam Lehman Group? So I got into the car business 31 years ago, I think it is now, 32 years ago, uh, while I was going to college, washing cars in a car dealership. Okay. Um, while I was there, the owner talked to me several times, ended up giving me a chance as a warranty administrator. Um, so took that position, started looking things up on Microfish, which... <laughs> The three of us know what that is, but I'm sure yes, there's some listeners do. that probably don't know what that is. Oh, yeah. Um, and that owner was very, very fortunate and gave me opportunities with several different positions in the dealership. Um, that's when I learned that car dealership changes every single day, and that's kind of need to be where I'm at. My dad was a factory worker and did the same thing every day, which I was bound determined it wouldn't. So. Yeah. Good, bad, or indifferent, I'm still in the car business. Here we are 32 years later, and it's been stupid good to me and my family. Fantastic. Fantastic. And pretty much all in, in the Illinois area, have you moved around the country? Nope, all in central Illinois. Okay, yeah. and, and, and all um, in, in kind of service uh, support sort of roles then too? Well, I did sales for a short time, so at that very first dealership, uh, the okay. owner unfortunately was tragically killed in a car accident. Um, a son-in-law took that store over. Um, the other two sons took the other stores that he had at the time. Um, I got put up on a on the sales floor on a Saturday. The owner came back and said, hey, we're having a big invitational sale. One of those that you bring in the flyer and you could win a big screen TV that I believe at that time was a 27-inch big screen TV. Um, sold three cars. Absolutely loved the sales side of it. Went back to service on Monday. The owner Informed me I had a new office. I did it for a week. The last every day sold a car. Absolutely loved it when I had a customer in front of me. Um, unfortunately, my last three days of that week, it rained every day. And I caught myself counting raindrops and realizing that if I didn't sell a car, I couldn't support my family and decided I needed to go back to service. So been with service okay. ever since. Gotcha. Well, so you oversee all nine stores service operations. Is that right? So out of our nine stores, there's two. So we run things a little bit different. We don't have general managers in our group, okay. um, sales managers, service managers, parts managers, and then myself and one other director of fixed operations okay. um, and a president. And we oversee it all. So I do half the stores. And then Eric, the other fixed operations director, does the other half. Okay, and then one other kind of stage setter then, since we are gonna talk about reconditioning, 
How many used cars are you guys typically moving at, at the, maybe the stores you operate? Trying to get a sense of the volume of cars moving through the reconditioning process. Well, we sell 900 to 1,000 um, per month um, for all of our locations. I've got two Chrysler stores and a Chevy store, a Chevy store being our largest store, and then a small BMW store. So we're, uh, boy, I'd have to estimate, I'd hate to estimate how many are going through just my stores. But Okay. I, yep, I can imagine. So as we think about reconditioning and, and, and maybe across the group, but in specific to your stores, what is the the process that you guys have? Is it kind of each store on its own, um, or is there a, any aspect of it that's centralized? Just curious about how you guys approach it. So, yes and no. So it is kind of each store on its own, um, okay. unless a store is backed up. So, for example, in our uh, Peoria, Illinois, we've got a Dodge store and a BMW store, both directly across the street from each other. So it works out pretty well. Um, and if the Dodge store is backed up on used cars and can't get to them for a day or two, we send them over to BMW and vice versa. Those two stores then are centrally located for the detailing and the photos. Okay. Um, and then our Bloomington stores are the same thing. We have one central detail and photo location and each store, same thing. If one's busy when they get handed cars then we we try to go through another store so we can get them through the shop as quick as possible so across that's that thank you for the the overview there of how you do things it's my understanding that you guys have said okay we've got to do a better job at reconditioning cars so what were some of the factors that led you to say that and then you know implement technology to, to help well, we had technology. We had the wonderful Google Sheets. Um, oh, yeah. so everybody had a spreadsheet and every store did it their own way. Some had pretty colors, some had flags, and it was all different. So at the end of the day, I could tell the owner or our president that, you know, boy, we we're averaging at, you know, the Dodge store in Peoria, five days in service, three days in detail um, before it ever made it out on the lot. However, I couldn't tell if one had been started in service and was waiting on something or where it was at in the process. Um, and again, then it was very cumbersome when every store had their own version of, of their Excel spreadsheet of myself anyway, trying to look at four different stores and say, oh yeah, wait a minute, this store does it this way, this store does it that way and knowing where we're at with everything. So, um, that's when we decided, okay, if we can't tell for sure how long the car has been there, we need to look at some things. Mm -hmm. And I was bound to determine that I'm kind of a cheap guy um, and fought it a little bit that, boy, I certainly don't need to pay for a program that Google gives away for free. I understand. Um, we decided then NADA was coming up and we decided, okay, that's going to be our number one focus is to find out what's out there and what can help us. And as the owner said, if you can improve by even a day or two, getting the cars to the front line, profits are going to go up. Mm -hmm. So and, and we decided. Now, did you what? I, I understand that perhaps for the group. Then, what was the the time in service and time in detail, just averaging before you set set out to 
um, get your arms around it a little better. So in Bloomington, it was far worse because we've got six stores funneling into one detail center. So okay. it's not uncommon for them to have 50 cars in the lineup to be able to get them through the shop in the detail center. So it wasn't uncommon for that store to possibly go eight to even 10 days trying to get a car detailed. Um, our service departments went anywhere from four to 12 days to get through the service side of it. Okay. So that, so all in on a, a worst case could be 20 some days then between, oh, yeah. between service and detailing. And yep. how much heat were you getting from the used car uh, side of the house there about cars getting, getting ready? And that's the good thing. They're, they're, typically, the sales never did come back and really complain. Yet, if the owner or the president were to say, hey, why are all those cars sitting we had, we had a, uh, on display but staging area for cars that haven't gone through service or been detailed before they made it to the lot? So they could very easily see where cars were sitting there and would ask and sales would constantly throw us under the bus because, well, they're still sitting there. Therefore service is not getting them done. It's service's fault that we don't have anything on the lot. And it could be the complete opposite because there'd be times that sales would get busy or whatever. And we may all of a sudden on Wednesday get handed 24 cars. Yeah. Well, you know, darn good. Well, the day before they didn't sell 24 cars. So that's part of what put us behind as well. So it became kind of a who blames who the most. Mm -hmm. so. and, and, and I guess on that, so a little bit of that could be sort of the acquisition pipeline then too. You just don't know when stuff is going to, you didn't know when stuff was going to show up. Right. Correct. Yeah. Before the plague, obviously you don't know when, you know, things are going to get traded or whatever. And now we're buying because... We started getting back into the used car market. We were big into it for the longest time and then got away from it. And now when it got to the point you couldn't get new cars, let's go out. And, and we made it a goal to buy at least 600 cars a month at auction. And how do you do that? Well, you got to feed them into the pipeline. So now we got a better idea of at least what's coming. And the reason we have a better idea is because of the technology that we now have, because we can see that, hey, this vehicle was purchased. It's in the process of getting shipped here from California or Maine or wherever it is we bought it. Okay, okay. And and speaking of the technology, so you guys did implement iRecon. Uh, what were the reasons that you said this is the one we want? So I'll, I'll be 100% honest with you. At the beginning, I was 100% against iRecon. Okay. Uh, we tried it early, early on. Um, it had some bugs. We didn't have quite all the buy-in from all the employees. Um, so it just crashed and burned pretty hard. It, it did a few things that we just didn't like for our group. It just didn't seem to be as conducive, and we canceled it. Um, so I was on a mission to find somebody that was better than iRecon. So I looked at everybody. I think I went to eight different presentations at NADA um, and kept finding myself back at the Cox booth Boy, I think I went through the demo just at NADA. I believe I was back at the booth four times. Wow. Okay. Just because I'd go see one and wait a minute. I think the other one did better. Than, let me go, you know, and I just kept ping-ponging back and forth and it, everything just kept leading us back to iRecon. Wait, what was the, the specific that, just one piece of it maybe that, that sort of stood out for you that said, okay. For me, it was the dashboard. Um 
in my position, I don't need to touch every car. I don't need to know that we have 75 used cars going through. I don't need any of that. I simply need to know how are we doing with our process? How long has it taken sales department once the car is traded to get it to service? Because that was one issue that we had. And, yeah. you know, then traded in six days later, would finally get it back there. And then the next one, how long has it taken us to get through the whole process? Service, detail, photos, body shop, whatever needs to be done. How quickly is it making it through all that stuff? Mm -hmm. And at the quick glance of a dashboard, I could tell that. Competitors, all they really cared about, their big thing was, we can tell you where the car was last time because you can geotag it. I've never, 32 years, I've never lost a used car ever. So I never ever thought that was a big thing. But even after I told them that, they wanted to make sure that I still knew that I'd know if it was on lot A, B, or C. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sometimes it helps to speak to who you're speaking to a little right. bit. Right. <laughs> um, now, let me just, I want to get to how all of this has helped you guys and maybe look at some performance metrics that you guys measure to, to understand you are, in fact, improving. But I want to go back to a point you just made, Brian, and that is that a couple years ago, you tried it, tried iRecon specifically. Um, yeah, there were bugs with the software, but you didn't get buy-in. And on the buy-in piece, what's different this time? So this time we basically told all the employees that there is no option. We're doing a reconditioning program. Um, informed them why we we're doing the reconditioning program and basically tested most of them and simply asking them all the questions, all the metrics that we wanted to have measured of how long after we inspect a car before sales approves the work. And they all looked at you like you had three heads because they, they couldn't answer it. Mm -hmm. And I said, there's the example. That's why we're never going to be successful with used cars Till we can figure out all those metrics, measure them, and then improve. Okay. Okay. Mike, I have a question on, on the, the point of, of buy-in. You, you've been kind of close to Brian and his group here. What, what's, what struck you about how they're doing things that seems to be working? Well, a couple of things. It really is the most important piece is the buy-in and having it come from the top. So it's understanding and letting the people who you lead understand what metrics you need to be watching, right? Just like Brian said. But then at the kickoff, they were great at getting the right people together. There were several different meetings, uh, but it was a sprinkling across all the different departments. So there you start to have that cohesive team effect and people were allowed to ask questions. But at the end of the day, they also understood that with or without them, this was the right thing to do for the stores and the name on the building. And at the end of the day, that's who we all work for. So I think with that kind of tone being set up front, it changes the mindset of the people who are going to be using the software. Because if you know you can disrupt it, if you know you can cry foul, whatever, then a lot of times just whoever cries the loudest wins. And then you don't get over that hurdle of adoption. And they hit it right out of the gate with the right mindset, which was, hey, here's why we're doing it, and we are doing it, so get on board. Excellent. Now, on, on metrics, Brian, um, so what would you list as some of the things that you are paying close attention to to understand that, in fact, yeah, you guys are getting better? Is it uh, perhaps understanding 
time and service, time and detail, and any reductions there. I've, I've talked to some dealers where, you know, once they kind of get, it's not necessarily about speed per se. It's, it's just really about knowing where things are and how much money is, and how much money there should be, even when you're estimating it, you know, in an appraisal so that there's, there's less surprise. So what kinds of things are you tracking and, and paying attention to? So obviously approval time. So technicians, they're all, you know, obviously some are getting away from flat rate, but at the end of the day in service, the only thing we can sell is time. Mm-hmm. So the quicker we can get things through and the quicker that the cars don't have to go outside and come back in and, and be any of those time losers um, is crucial. And obviously we're going to make more money if we can do that. So that's been um, probably the number one focus that we've had of why can't you get an alert, look at it and know that you need to approve this relatively quickly. Um, and I'm I, sorry, Brian, if yep. that, that's an approval from a, a manager from the sales department. So technician does the full inspection, finds a whatever it needs brakes and an air filter, puts an estimate together. We send it to sales. Now quickly they say, yes, I want to do brakes, but no, I don't want to do the air filter. Okay. 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 And what, what, so what, is there any, uh, I don't mean to throw your sales guys under a bus here, but, but where, where is that approval time today versus maybe where it used to be? So we've, and that's where it's getting fun now because now we, we're starting to hold stores accountable mm-hmm. um, and they can't cry flat foul. Like you said before, you know, that, well, you know, it's, it's because, you know, Billy called in sick and the door broke and the car didn't start and all these other things because we've got nine stores. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Everybody's going to run into the same pitfalls at some point in time or another and going to have the excuse the same as the others. So now we can hold them accountable and say, well, you know, I've got three stores as of Friday. I'll be honest with you. I haven't had a chance to look at it today. But as of Friday, I had one store with an approval time of six minutes, one at eight minutes and one at 10. Wow. OK. On an average. Now, we still have some other stores that are at, you know, four, five, eight hours. So we're still working on those, but now we've got some real metrics that we can go back and say, okay, store A can do it. Why can't you? Yep. 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 What aside from maybe what, what's another example beyond approval time. And that's, that, that's, that speaks loudly, by the way, that you're at minutes at a couple stores where it's hours elsewhere. Cause I can imagine that makes a pretty strong case. Yep. Um, the other big one was time to start a plan. So the time to tell service, we want to run this car through the shop. Because again, like we talked about earlier in the conversation, that it wasn't uncommon. I'm confident that it happens at multiple other stores across the United States, where all of a sudden sales comes back and gives you 28 cars to do. Yep. When you know darn good and well, they didn't sell 28 cars the day before. So now we can actually monitor that which is another big reason for iRecon because it ties into V-Auto. So once V-Auto knows we own the car, it goes through some update process overnight. The next morning, it's in iRecon and the time starts. How quickly are they going to tell us they want to do something? So that's really reduced the getting a lump sum of cars. They now come in like they should. They Mm -hmm. traded two in yesterday. We're doing two of them today. They took in 10 on Saturday, we're doing 10 on Monday. And that's made a huge, huge difference. So those were the big ones that we were monitoring. And in our in our president's eyes, 
they should start a plan within 30 minutes. Now, that's not realistic because we are, like I said earlier, we are buying a lot of cars from auctions. So we have now added that to the iRecon mix as well. And we have an auction transport job. So they can start the plan. Typically takes one day because it does have to update overnight to get into all the right systems. But it should never be more than about 15 to 18 hours to start a plan now. Okay. And now those auction cars are in their service now knows what's coming down the pipeline as well. So it's interesting, Brian, both of those uh, things that you're watching are really about sales. Yep. I, I mean, the variable side, uh, it, letting you know what's coming, um, giving you the okay when you need it. Is there anything within the shop itself that you you started to, pardon my pun or my 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 word, but wrench on a little bit now that you have this data and stuff. Well, and, and that's where it gets, it gets into even more analytics. So now there is a thing that we can, that we can look at that is time in iRecon. So the time that sales said, yep, start a plan to the time we said it's time and ready to put on the front line. That's, that's what that metric does. Um, but within that metric, falls so many other things that then we can really get a little bit more granular with. So it's time that it was in the shop, time that it took for uh, the parts department to get parts. Right now, everybody knows that there's not a lot of parts out there. So sometimes yeah. that's a that's a number that we've been watching quite a bit. How long it was actually in detail, how long it was in photos, did it need to go to the body shop for some type of repair? How long did the body shop take? So it that time in iRecon monitors all those things. So then we get into a little bit more granule then with the service managers and say, okay, you're responsible for the whole thing. They get a little uptight because they have nothing to do with detail or nothing to do with photos, but we still feel that it falls on them to get it through the shop, get it to them, and then follow up till it's ready to go out on the lot. So yes, we've definitely been able to notice some improvements on that as well. But those are the three metrics that I look at and then I kind of go down a little bit further on the time in recon for the for the fixed side of it. And and we haven't talked at all about how much you're spending on cars or this type of work. Is that something that's farther down the line in terms of um, once you have the data and the analytics, you can start really looking at that? Or are you are you comfortable that you're doing what needs to be done uh, at an appropriate cost and fashion? On the and that part really has not ever been a topic at all. Um, okay. iRecon does monitor that, so we can tell. But at the end of the day, we're still selling the car from the left side of the page, no matter what we put in the car. And if it was appraised right and done right, then that number is going to be okay. And to be honest, we can put a little bit more money in the car if I can get it on the front line to sell three days quicker. That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, it would. Uh, last week, uh, Mike and I were just talking a little bit to advance this conversation, and he, he mentioned that sometimes when you, 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 just a second ago, Brian, you mentioned, you know, service managers might get a little uptight about being accountable for something they don't necessarily have direct control over. But Mike brought up that there are perhaps times now that the data that you have in the system is in front of everybody that, that people may push back, they may think, hey, this isn't fair because, you know, this problem that's showing up in the data 
isn't my problem. It's coming over here or some other part of the process. Have you run into that as you guys have brought uh, iRecon into the mix? The only real pushback that we got from any of the employees that we still get is if it becomes in their department. So let's say, for example, that um, sales starts a plan right mm-hmm. now at 155 my time. And all of a sudden, hey, look at that. Our used car guy is ready to go. He immediately, we write up the ticket. He goes to grab the keys. And guess what? There's no keys because it's out on an extended test drive. They gave it to a customer three hours ago. And they're going to drive it for the next three days. That's when they get a little uptight because, well, again, the clock is running and it's running on service and they can't even do anything with it. So then they've got to get a little bit more creative on, you know, we've added a few tasks so we know where the car is at least. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, What advice, Brian, might you offer to other dealers who maybe were where you were in some fashion, you know, several months ago, feeling like you had to get something done? Um, but perhaps they've decided, you know, and I, there's really nothing I can do <laughs> and I'm just going to live with my reconditioning. What, what advice from your experience might you offer them? Um, go to NADA and get a demo okay. um, and, and, and get a demo from someone that's passionate about it. Because I'll tell you what, it, that, that makes a big difference. And, you know, it, it's once they get a demo, then get a hold of a dealer, get a hold of somebody that's been using it, that's been down the road that they know there's going to be some pains. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You don't just roll this out and everything work. So everybody's got to put a lot of time and effort into it. But then what did you get out of it at the end? And we've got more eyeballs looking at used cars than we've ever had in the history of our group ever. Because everybody can see the dashboard. Everybody can see where the cars are. Everybody can see how long everything's taking. And they're all watching it all in one spot because they all have the same access to see those sheets. That's a new order, a new way of doing business in a way. Yeah, it is. Now, we're talking here toward the tail end of uh, 2022. Um, So I have to ask, Brian, as you're thinking about next year, I assume you are at some level. Um, what, what do you have on your priority list? Maybe maybe you're even heading to NADA with a couple of things in mind, but what are those challenges or opportunities that you see for your business? So for us anyway, of the challenge for 2023 is EV and yeah. what we're going to be doing with that. And we all know that EV is not going to replace all of combustion engines and everything else. And staying on top of it. So, you know, that's where, you know, we put everything into place for our reconditioning so we can now start holding people accountable and making sure that that goes down. So I can take our eyeballs off of that. Um, Some of the other higher ups can take their eyeballs off of that because we know we've got a program that works and they can do it. What else can we do? And right now that's going to be our biggest challenge. We've got, uh, three, four stores slated for new builds. Um, So we're going to be looking at a lot of things and challenges that way as well, that it's nice to have one thing off the plate. I I appreciate your point there, Brian. It's like you've sort of 
cook the potatoes now. You can kind of go to some other <laughs> aspect of the business that's a little farther out. <laughs> yep, yep. And and the advantage with the with the technology that we've got now and all of this, because it's it's happened to anybody that's ever been a manager. If you finally get something going the right way, you take your eyeball off of it and the children stop doing what you want them to do. Well, now they're accountable because I've got technology that's going to tell me, even if I don't look at it for three or four days, the next day I'm going to know whether they're doing it or not. Yep. Uh, uh, I want to, Mike, uh, any final thoughts that you might have, observations from our, our conversation here with, with Brian? Yeah, no, it's been a wonderful experience because Brian brings a lot of experience and a very progressive way of thinking. And what I mean by that is he mentioned, you know, you had iRecon before. Um, he mentioned there was a few bugs, didn't have the buy-in. You know, nothing's perfect, especially if you, you know, in software land, where the market's moving and the technology is constantly changing and there's always a reason why not to do something but at the end of the day it comes down to that buy-in of saying hey you know we need to do something strategically it makes sense to do something and we need to get on board and move forward because just like he had mentioned earlier you know i recall i recon almost becomes inventory truth serum because whether or not he's looking at it every day the fact is everybody else is looking at it and the key is the self-management piece. You know, with the invention of iRecon, the goal wasn't to have one person managing everybody. It was to have everybody managing each other and themselves. So I think that's the biggest piece, like riding a bike. Just because you fell, fell off the first time, bruised your knees, you got back up, got back on it. And before you know it, you're going down the road great. I love it. I love riding bikes, too. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> And, and, and Mike said one thing that I that I do want to touch on with software and bugs and everything else. And that's one thing that I've got to say that we've learned over this year with iRecon, that there was there was one thing that in our group, having nine stores and having certain people at different levels that want to look at all the stores and everything else, that there was one thing that we felt was missing, that, boy, it sure would be nice if we could do it this way. Um, only for people that are up, and I, and I don't want to let anything out, but um, I know that iRecon's working on something that, that is going to fix all of that, and that's the advantage. I, I've had some of that technology in the past where it works, it does exactly what you want it to do, and somebody that wrote the program or did whatever just sits back and keeps collecting a paycheck, and nothing ever changes. It doesn't evolve as the times evolve, and we're noticing already a year in that iRecon's not sitting back and just letting things happen. They're constantly working on new stuff to make it better for the dealers. And that goes right back to what Brian was saying earlier. What do you say? Uh, one of the best things that a dealer can do is go to NADA and get a demo. So he's not letting the cat out of the bag, but we do have some very interesting things coming. And we are nonstop. I mean, we're partners with the dealer. That is the mantra behind Viato. And, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to push the envelope listen to our dealers, engage with them, provide them with what they need before they even know they need it. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you for the kind words, uh, Brian. Uh, appreciate that. And thank you for your perspective here. And same for you, Mike. Thanks, thanks for taking time for today's podcast. Appreciate you both. Thank you very much. Thank you, Brian. You bet. Take care. And folks, thank you for listening to this podcast. I'm Lance Helgeson. Until next time, stay well.